All right. Uh, so if you could go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves, give us some background, who you are, how you got here, that sort of thing. Yep. So my name is Candido Hernandez. So I own GA Fire Prison and uh, I've been in construction probably 20 years. So right out of high school, I went to work for another company. I was there for seven years and then said, I need to do something different. And then I ventured out, did a couple things. And then in 2015, kind of got brought back in. And so that's when we started uh, GA Fireproofing. And one of the goals was to take what I learned from that previous company or other problems and, and make adjustments mm -hmm. to what we do. Now that I could control everything as much as I could, make adjustments. And that's been one of my biggest things since day one is what can we tweak? What can we do? How can we make this better? How can we be more efficient? How can we be different? Mm -hmm. um, instead of just doing things over and over because you hear that over, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. And so this is where I was like, no, that's not going to work, especially not in today's days. If you're not adapting every two seconds, you're left behind. That's right. And so I love that you're doing this and I'm a big fan of education and doing different things. And um, I'm happy to be here. All right. Uh, so you want to give us some background? Sure. Uh, my name is Brian Straw and I work for a company called International Cellulose Corporation. And uh, we manufacture spray applied uh, acoustical, um, probably best for this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, and then thermal insulation finishes. Okay. Um, I do not have a background in construction. Actually, um, I came from radio. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I started here in Atlanta. And it's funny you say, you know, as we look at this kind of situation, because I had a friend um, who worked for Clear Channel Radio. It's now called iHeart. But, mm. um, and he worked at, what is it, 640, I think? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, you know, you can do a podcast uh, for about, a, you know, he's like about $100 in toys is what he called it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get going, which, you know, you now see. And so I'm sure you're getting to be an expert at Adobe Audition, just like No, I'm I using um, the DaVinci Resolve. Ah. Everybody's starting to move towards that, and it's a learning curve. Yeah, for sure. It is. Um, but again, YouTube helps. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Things like this are the way to solve yeah. all those kinds of problems. But... Um, and it has helped, I guess, because I, there is this kind of background. So acoustics obviously matter in that format. Yeah. And, and, you know, because for the most part, that's what we deal with. Um, you know, it's it's been a good synergy for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your product does help with the uh, reverberation, I'm sure. It does. Yeah. We mm -hmm. can basically eliminate all of it. Yeah. And so the SDC rating is a big part of what well you you've provide. got you've got two you've got stc is basically sound transfer so mm -hmm. that's you know can they still hear us let's say out in the hallway even though we're in this enclosed room mm -hmm. um, and then you have noise reduction or nrc which is now that we're in this space are we absorbing all the echo and reverberation yeah. um, and so you kind of have a two-fold thing and truth be told um, it's probably a little bit more challenging. It's easier for our material, I would say, to absorb all the echo and reverberation in this space than it would be to kind of prevent that transfer of sound. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because of the material. So we're, we're made out of cellulose or paper, um, but fiberglass would have that same kind of challenge. Even foam would have that same kind of challenge. Mm -hmm. You really need more density when you're trying to prevent the transfer of sound. Um, and so, you know, to be honest, typically, and you see this now a lot since COVID, I see, in uh, mixed-use development, right? So yeah. you've got, you know, I'll use an example. They, somebody left out, out the first floor. Now there's a yoga studio in there. Well, you don't want to hear that noise and the music and things like that from the yoga studio. So how do you prevent that transfer of sound? Mm -hmm. And 
in current construction, you usually have like a six inch concrete deck and that's doing a majority of the work, honestly, on the transfer of sound, so STC. Because of the density of because the Because of the density of the material, yeah. Okay. Which is why, right, in old days, you always went with like that, or architects would go with like that double layer of drywall yeah. to kind of prevent that. Again, very dense, okay. mm -hmm. does a really good job of preventing that transfer of sound. Yeah. Now, that drywall doesn't do anything to absorb the sound, so. Or like know, rock wool is a lot better than bat insulation, because it's correct. a lot more dense. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, so can you walk us through what the process is when you get the drawings? What, what do you have to go through uh, review-wise and consider uh, when you're getting ready to do a project? So for the spray insulation scope, we would get the plans just like anybody else, but on our portion, there's nothing specific that says it's here or mm -hmm. it's going to be on every job. So we have to kind of sift through it a lot. And then we kind of determine by this point, we know which projects probably typically have it, which ones don't. Right mm -hmm. now, the biggest thing is this open office concept. So if we see one, there's probably a good chance that we're probably gonna look at it. Yeah. If there's a Chick-fil-A or the, you know, a Burger King and all those little restaurants, got, those are, we don't even look at it. Like there's nothing in there for us. Yeah. So first we kind of determine which ones we think is gonna have this scope. And then we start sifting. Architecturals is where it would be. Then we're looking for specific rooms. Once we find ballpark of what we're trying to get, we'll find it. And then there's more details. Okay, in this particular case with this product is how thick do you want it? Are, you, are they looking for our valley or are they looking for acoustical treatment? And so then we got to go back to the specs and figure that out. Once you finally get all that figured out, then we'll do our square foot area. And then get all that figured out, figure out materials, and then figure out access to it. If we're doing a building like this and you have a lot of offices, we have to figure that this wall is going to be in place because you want this ceiling 100%. So we got to know this wall is going to be in place. We got to protect this wall. But if we got a wide open area, an auditorium, then we're going to assume that we're not going to have everything in place. So some of it goes on experience. Some of it is based off what the plans say. And then, um, for the most part, that, that's really where it is. Because estimating for us is, is almost still a guess. You're estimating what you think. You're yeah. estimating what, what you think it is. On-site conditions vary a little bit, but we try to control that as much by wording our estimate as best we can. We assume with this or not this in place. And, you know, uh, specs say this, so that's kind of what we're doing. And then you get on real life world and that changes sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. And so that's where the communications happen out mm -hmm. here and people are kind of upset because I assume something and you assume something. Mm -hmm. And so then here we are. Okay. Um, what about sequence of work? Um, just for example, do you remember seven years ago when we did Tri-County Student Success Center up in uh, Pendleton, South Carolina? You didn't have a crazy large scope. But what you did have was spray applied to the bottom of the metal deck of a metal and concrete structure. And it was above um, our chillers and boilers because that was a new chiller plant mm -hmm. as part of that building uh, in the middle of campus. And uh, so one of the things that we weren't 100% certain on was exactly when to bring you in. And we knew that we had to get anything that was gonna be hanging from the ceiling uh, off hangers needed it already 
at least have the hangers in place before you came in. Well, I don't remember exactly what the reason was, but you ended up having to come in after we had all the chillers set. After we had boilers set, we had a lot of the piping in, insulation around the piping done, and then you came in to do the work. And when we started, it was, <clears throat> I don't remember what the duration was, but um, you guys got there and said they would not be able to do it in that duration. Mm. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were gonna have to work around a lot of that material and a lot of it had to be protected. And that hadn't been really accounted for. Correct. So what do we do to make that process run smoother? Because granted, your scope wasn't great, like large overall, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the coordination could have been better. So what do we do in the future to make sure that coordination is done better? So getting up front as far as uh, meetings, mm. expectations, uh, that's I'm a big fan of that because mm. like you just mentioned, even though sometimes we have a small scope, most of the time we're in a small scope square footage wise. Mm. But and so we kind of get put to the wayside a little bit. But if we're not doing stuff right, man, that, like you just said, the two day that all of a sudden turns into a week. And mm. not only that, then you're fighting about monies. Yep. Right. I only figure for this, especially if we're out of town. That's even a bigger deal. Yep. You, now you got to account for more lodging, more this, more that, more protection. And then, believe it or not, then there's more material. Yep. Because you have more overspray because you're bouncing in and out, going in, out. Uh, you know, so you're flaring your nozzle more. So there's more overspray. So it's, it's small percentages, but it starts adding up real quick. So for me, one of the biggest things is once we know we're on board, we got ballpark idea of the schedule, we'll try to get in there two months before. Just start the communication. Swing yeah. by, take a look. This is what we expect. We hit, we get some superintendents that they, they're very active and they know the scope. And they say, hey, I think we're going to need you here, here, here. And so come by. Come take mm -hmm. a look to make sure that I'm ready for you, for you to be successful. And But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we'll get a phone call that says, hey, we're ready for you. And we show up and either one of two things happen. He is ready as far as the area is there, the decking is there, but if it was a roof, the roof is not on. Or if it was a floor, the concrete is not on. So we have to have whatever is gonna be on top of that decking in place mm -hmm. to avoid the water. That's number one. Yeah, so it either needs to we, be dried in. Either right? we get that scenario where it's, it's too early in the game, or we get the scenario where you just said, everything is in place and carpet's getting ready to come in next week. I'm like, that's not the way it was figured. So yeah. Can I ask you, <clears throat> Sure. like when those kinds of situations are up, are these kind of things where it happens organically and you didn't see, or do you as the GC kind of make a calculated decision? Now his scope is gonna be more challenging, so he's gonna have more prep and he might have to charge you guys more, but we would rather just keep going on you know, lay in the HVAC instead of just the clips and hangers in the ceiling so that when he comes and sprays, it's all clean, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you do it the other way and you end up coming back and patching or whatever it might be. But is that a calculated decision or is it just something that just kind of organically happens? Most of the time it's going to be organic, um, especially if you haven't experienced it before. That was my first project dealing with the product. Uh, so I had, uh, I called some of the older superintendents and asked them about what are some of the things I needed to consider. One of those things was patching, try and minimize patching. So making sure everything's in place that's ever gonna anchor to the 
substrate that's going to receive that spray on mm -hmm. is in place before you do the spraying. Well, I think I misunderstood that and I made sure everything was in. And there is a balance that needs to happen. So after that experience, what I determined was <clears throat> all the hangers, anything that is actually mounted needs to be mounted ahead of time. Everything needs all the pipes because what it was, it was a, it was a large mechanical room. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, I want to say about 2000 square feet. Mm -hmm. And so it had a whole lot of chiller lines and uh, domestic water lines, fire mains, and a lot of stuff hanging from the ceiling that was about 10 to 12 feet up. It took up a lot of space. And uh, there was little room to maneuver a scissor lift through there. And so when you could bring the scissor lift in, there were certain sections that you could go up, but you couldn't necessarily reach everything from that uh, location where the scissor lift was. So making sure that before all the piping goes up, but after all the hangers are in, come in and, and put the insulation on. I think one of my, mo my major concerns at that point was making sure that we didn't have to come in and do any patching after the fact. Yeah. I was trying to minimize that trip charge and all that. And I didn't realize the importance of making sure that it was set up for you to be able to be productive and be successful in your scope of work and if I had to have you come back and patch something, that's a small price to pay. And if I could determine who it was that damaged what it is, maybe they, I'm able to determine who it was so that they can pay for that cost and I'm not having to be the one mm. to bear that cost. Um, so that was a lesson that I learned the hard way. I think uh, having those conversations in a team meeting with uh, all the MEPs, mm -hmm. if, we, if there's one little room you want to bring it up just if, as if it was a 10,000 square foot area. You got to know that we're doing this to create less patching, to create less problems for everybody, access for us, uh, and to turn over a great product. You know, a lot of times when we're doing K13, K13 is, is, is a design to be exposed. It's colorful. It looks nice. And we want to give you that. But if you got more obstructions in the way, you got big ducks we can't get around, or sometimes they have say a one or two foot line of conduits, electrical conduits or water lines, we can't get above it. So there, you can look at it sideways and there's spots up there that don't have it. We just can't get it. Yeah. And so then people are asking, what can we do? Bring it down. Cause the nozzle only gives us so much play. You can only angle it so much. Like it's kind of tedious to get that product up there. But mm. if you do it right, it, it's a great product. It's the turnover. Once it's done, you, then you put your MEPs it's a beautiful product because it's, mm. it's a great color and then you have all your your stuff hanging below it shiny pipes shiny everything it looks great but if you do it the other way around it's a battle it's a battle yeah. who needs to do what how long is this going to take and you know did you cover this correctly did you give us that over there correctly but it's just we just didn't have the right setup to give you exactly what you wanted yeah. so bringing people up front and talking through it like i said our scope of the work it could be one 2,000 square foot area out of 10,000. So we're only in this one area. So when we're in meetings, what we suggest is say, okay, put some hangers in this one particular area. And sometimes the trades don't like to do that because they say, I'm already here. Why not just hang my pipe? I'm like, yep. well, because then we're going to have to deal. Are you going to protect it? Well, I don't want to protect it. Well, then that's part of it. We didn't figure for it because uh, specs say clips and hangers. We go then suspended items below. 
that's the way we figured. Um, but the MEPs, they're all over the building, right? So if, if we just need you to do this in this one area and then go away, we come do our thing, they can circle back and, and do their stuff. But a lot of times they just don't like doing that. It but also it doesn't take you very long to do your scope of work if it's set up that way. Oh, my goodness. It's and that's what they yes. don't really consider sometimes. And um, a lot of that boils down to communication or lack thereof. Does that become a, too much of a challenge, though, for them? Like if the HVAC or the <coughs> electrician, like, to just come in, put the clips and hangers, and then have to come back, and then... It like, shouldn't. Is that... Is that it shouldn't. So okay. the guys are already there on site, and they're working in other areas. That's, that's the thing. They have other areas or even other floors. You might be doing a five-story. Yeah. Might, we might only be on one floor, right? Our right. scope of work might mm -hmm. only be on one floor. They have the whole building. Yep. And But it needs to come from... Yeah, but it's got to come from us. We're the ones that dictate the schedule and the sequence, but we also have to take into consideration everybody else's scope and how they affect each other. Correct. And so it's knowing that balance and when to do something and when to aggravate somebody and say, I need you to do just a small portion of your work, let somebody else come in, and then you come in and finish your work. And if that's the way it needs to be done, you plan it ahead of time and you can execute. But if you're trying to execute that plan day of or a couple of days beforehand, then that's where everybody starts to argue. Yeah. And they don't want to, they've already made a plan. They've already set up their manpower and their materials yep. and they are ready to go. And you're telling them, no, you can only do part of it. That's where they'll get upset. <clears throat> but if you tell them ahead of time, here's what the plan is going to be. They can account for it. They have plenty of real estate That's to right. move around, and they will do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, when you, when we give them plenty of time, very rarely do we get negative feedback. Like, yeah. Okay, that's if that's all you want here, mm -hmm. fine. I'll just if I have yeah. a slow day, I'll have them go over there, and then we'll keep chugging over here on the west side. Yeah. Right. And but you got to bring it up in time. Yep. And for the most part, they will listen to the GC if we're trying to work together, and we explain to them why. Mm -hmm. You do that, then we get in here, and, and then you're free to go. Do and it might work. be better to have you or a representative for your company come in and explain why. Because yeah. sometimes they just don't want to listen to us. They want to, hearing that from the person who does that job every day does go a long way. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to do that anytime we can. Mm -hmm. But again, our, our we're usually a small scope, so we just yeah. kind of get pushed and then we get called, hey, we're ready, and we get one of the two extremes. Well, and, and that's, a, that's a misconception that needs to be addressed too. You are a small scope, but what your scope is is very important to the assemblies that we have to put in place. And if it's not done correctly, it can cause a lot of headache, comeback work, repair work, mm -hmm. and added cost. So we've got, to, we've got to realize that even though it is a small scope of work, it's just as important as any of the other Everybody stuff is. that goes into building that building, and it must be considered that way. And uh, so it's important for us to know that information and everybody to truly understand. It's not like you're just got somebody coming in to clean up. You got somebody that's putting in an integral uh, part of the assembly of the building as a whole yeah. for it to operate the way it's designed. And uh, so you got to take that in consideration when you're planning the work. Yep. So what else does a GC typically do that will cause you some headaches or uh, sequence that is done that needs to be adjusted. I think sequence is the biggest one. 
and I and I and I think it's just lack of knowledge. When is the best time for us to come in? Mm -hmm. um, I try to learn as much as I can on every job. Why this was a success? Why this was a fail? Or why did this happen? Mm -hmm. So then I ask whoever's uh, in charge. I ask them how much do you know about this product? If we were ahead, let's say we're two months out, I ask them how much do you know about it? Well, this is my first time. I get that. Some, somebody's been in the business for 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. This is their first time dealing with K13. And so they have no clue when they're supposed to. But those guys, most of the time, those guys are the ones reaching out. Hey, I see their, your scope. I've never done it. Help me. Guide me. Yep. You know? And then the guys that think they know it all, those are the guys that, oh, you should be able to do it. No problem. Well, that's, that's what you think. But did you ask the guy who actually does it, which is us? You know, and so that's where those biggest issues come is when somebody assumes something or somebody saw somebody do something different somewhere else. I'm like, that's not the way it is. Mm -hmm. Ask me and then I'll tell you, I'll help you. I'll work with you. Mm -hmm. We just got to be on the same page. Um, <coughs> sequence is number one. Uh, another thing that we require a little bit more than most people is uh, power. Kay. Most of the time, everybody runs around with a couple of drills, a, you know, charging a lift, 110 power for the most part. That covers just about everybody. Uh, for us, our insulation equipment is 30 amps, 220. Okay. It's not a big deal, but sometimes it does turn into a big deal. Mm -hmm. It depends on who your electrician is, right? Because they have a power box. They have it. Sometimes they just, they ain't playing, you know? And what can we do? Because we're not going to go in there and hook it up. Yeah. And then sometimes the GC will say, hey, I need you to do it. Well, that's, you know, that's a change order, this, that, or I don't have that breaker. He needs to go buy a breaker. I'm like, well, I'm not an electrician. Where am I going to find this breaker? Mm. You know, we don't carry breakers with us because we're not in the boxes. We just hand you a pigtail and go. So even that scenario, I, I promise you, and we just did a tweak because of this. Um, when we're in offices, we try to bring it up as early as we can. We've done work with other GCs, multiple interiors, that they kind of understand that. If we have a spider box, that takes care of all your trades. But it's lessons. Another small jobs where we can be open to the outside, we just figure for a generator. We don't tell you, we just bring it. Okay. And because this whole power issue, pigtail, get the electrician in here and do this and do that, man, this costs us a tremendous amount of time. Over long runs, over multiple projects, over multiple projects, here, there, we show up, we do everything. Electrician was supposed to hook it up at eight. Well, he got tied up somewhere else. It's noon. Now the guys are waiting. Like we can't start because like the machine cannot mm -hmm. start. And we're waiting on Billy, the superintendent, to go hook this up. Well, he got tied up somewhere and this was not his priority. So he just I'm like, well, mm -hmm. so then it gets to a point that if 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 we don't have a time frame, then the, the guy's going to go home. OK. And then it doesn't mean we're coming back tomorrow at eight. It, it means that I'm going to talk to the superintendent in the evening three, four o'clock, say, hey, did Billy hook that up? Well, let me go check. Well, no, he didn't. He said tomorrow at 8. I'm like, that ain't going to work. We won't be there at 8 to watch him come in and do that. So let yep. me know when he's in. Because, I mean, again, I mean, you're counting for three, four guys just waiting. Yep. You know, it could have been – it's a five-minute deal for him. Yep. But it maybe he needs to be pressured by the GC or maybe he just had a bad day. He said, you know what, I ain't doing it today. I don't know what the deal is. So uh, there's a couple things that we can do, at least with the way that we operate as Juno, mm -hmm. right? There's a couple of things that we can do to make sure this is accounted for. 
one of the things is it can be incorporated into the contract. Uh, when you're signing your contract, make sure that it's in there that the GC will ensure that there will be a 220, 30-amp circuit installed before we come out to the site. That's very easy to do. It's really easy for us to get an electrician to do that. It's not, it's not a big deal. But if they don't know about it, then they're not planning for it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step. Get that incorporated into the contract. Very small thing, but very important thing. And then we have a pre-installation meeting typically around two weeks ahead of whatever trades plan start so that we can go over stuff like that, site logistics, safety plans, stuff like that. During that planning meeting, bring it up at that point. That's two weeks ahead. That's just a reminder, hey, it is in the contract. Here's what I'm expecting, what I need to be done on site when I get there. And so, okay, I got two weeks to get the electrician to do it. No problem. Yep. Get him to do it. And it'll be here and ready for you. Um, and then I'll tell you exactly where it is. I'll get with the electrician and coordinate where he needs to have that pigtail run. And it'll be there and ready for you when you get started. So I don't know how other GCs operate, but that's how, that's our standard procedure. Um, and so that's a way that we can mitigate it with us. Yeah. But you can have that discussion with other GCs and make sure that they understand the important aspects of what it takes to do your job, uh, be in place before you get there. It's just communication. The other thing that we get, and it goes back to the power, because um, most of the time you say well, you, you're building a, a six foot or a six story building. Most of the time when that happens, they'll put power, say on one, and then maybe two, they might very little, mm. and then go back to three, and then, you know, they'll add more to one floor than the other just because you don't need all that everywhere. Well, if they only have, or in those cases, they might only have main power on ground floor, and they just run like one tens up on the other levels. But let's just say our work is on level six, and only on level six. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, power's on one. Well, that's not going to work. We can't have the cord stretch over 100 feet because then we're dropping amperage, we're burning machines, we're causing issues, or they're just not operating. Yeah. And then that becomes an issue. Mm -hmm. And then say, well, here's your plug, here's your thing, or sometimes it's over there in the trailer, 300 feet away from the building, and then in the building, and then you're another 300 feet. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not going to work. So then that becomes an issue, too. Mm -hmm. But, again, if we get in there ahead of time, two, three months, and explain to everybody why we need this, why we need that. But sometimes we get the phone call, sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. And then when we're in there the week of trying to scramble, then that's when it becomes an issue for the electrician mm -hmm. most of the time. Some of them, for some reason, they're like, yeah, I got it, no problem. I'll do it. Others are just hell-bent against it. Yeah, you'll find most of those that are good to go, that are willing to help you, are those more successful electricians. And the ones that aren't, that like to fight, are the ones that aren't quite as successful. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason behind that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, if you get with the GC couple of months before the anticipated start date and let them know those requirements a good superintendent one that's paying attention one that's w willing to do the coordination effort can make sure that is taken care of and addressed yeah. uh, and make sure it's ready for you other than that uh, water we need water mix because it's applied with uh, glue how much water do you need do water, you just need a gar garden hose garden or? hose connection and we'll probably run through 50 gallons every two hours or so. Mm -hmm. And depending on the scope, how big, where we're at. 
Um, we're currently doing a project right now where we're running through 120 gallons an hour because just this larger project, mm -hmm. multiple crews and doing all that. But a typical office like this, we're probably you know, maybe doing 50 gallons every two hours or so. Yeah. So we don't need tremendous amount of water, but we do need to have constant water. Just a standard three-quarter inch hookup and you're good. Yep. And that one, you know, two, three hundred feet, probably not the end of the world as yeah. long as we're not going through everyone's work area. Yeah. Um, so water is, is most of the time is not an issue, especially with remodeling buildings. They got a mop sink somewhere that's already active and live. Yeah. Or even on job sites, brand new job sites, they'll have temporary water for somebody because we're not the only ones using water. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we are the ones pulling the most amount of power. And that's where we get the, uh, the feedback or the fight, the negative reaction mm -hmm. from people. Um, once we get that out of the way, <coughs> um, other than that, it's just, just giving us the right amount of time, not telling us, hey, I need you to do this in two days. Well, how do you figure it's two days? You know, there's prep, there's cleanup, there's this, there's that, there's the uh, mishaps, um, the cleanup, and then there's dry time. So that's one thing I think that we're working on letting everybody know that, hey, we, when we're working there, we need to go to air movement. But sometimes we leave. And you can tell us if you've had experiences where, you know, we leave and then they, they shut the job down. Well, not shut it down. They're gone for the weekend. No air movement, nothing. Well, this stuff is curing, right? This particular product, we, we got to make sure the air movement stays after we leave. What kind of air movement are we talking about? Like what needs to be there uh, for it to be able to uh, cure? Sometimes it's fans, you know, bring in mm -hmm. fans to It's not necessarily air conditioned air. space. What you need is circulation. Mm -hmm. And with our material, the color of the finish will matter. The glue is an off-white, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and so, like if it's black, like this wall, right? So as it's basically, you know, gravity is kind of pulling it down to the finish, right? Mm -hmm. Which is what you would ultimately see. If there's not enough circulation, then it'll, it'll um, frost is frost, the best way yeah. to put it. Um, where that glue will then kind of dry in place and okay. not be able to kind of let the air wick it away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's made of paper. Paper absorbs, obviously. And that's an ad inherent, honestly, advantage against our, well, not necessarily foam, but certainly fiberglass. Fiberglass is a glass material, which it doesn't absorb. So it, it struggles a little bit more, I would say, you know, adhering to a substrate or holding a color if you're trying to paint it or something like that, um, where, you know, we've got that inherent advantage. Paper absorbs everything, right? Um, so that same with the adhesive, but it has to be able to kind of dry out properly um, for it to be end up looking like a good finish. Okay. What's involved in the prep for putting this product in place? What do you have to do uh, to get ready to spray it? Is there additional prep? Like if you're painting, you've got to sand before you mm -hmm. paint. Do you have to do anything <clears throat> say you're doing middle deck do you have any do anything special to make sure it adheres correctly so that's another great point why visiting the job sites is very important you know on, on our <clears throat> specs and then our proposal too we said we need a clean surface right we don't mean that it has to be fresh wash shiny we just can't have oils which sometimes we can't see mm -hmm. or we can't have dirt or mud which has happened sometimes as much as the rains out here sometimes we'll go and we say hey here's your, here's your area it's like yeah what about all that that dirt and mud that was the deck that was sitting out there you know three weeks ago yeah well somebody's got to clean it you know so that's something too that's got to be figured into so we got to make sure that the substrate that we're spraying to is clean just no dust no 
oils or residue or whatever, or if it's if it's an existing building, that the current paint is not flaking off. Okay. Obviously, the the product is a great product, but it can only bond to whatever's there, right? So mm. if you got loose stuff, then that's going to be an issue. So we need to make sure that most of the time on new job sites, we very rarely have issues with surface preparation as far as the, the decking, use an example for now. So once the decking is figured out that it's clean enough to receive the insulation, then it's about protecting the walls that are already in place. And assuming it's only clips and hangers, then we don't really have to do nothing there. We just have to give you a clean line around, put some painter's tape, put some plastic, mm-hmm. sheet that all the way down, put plastic on the ground. Then you spray and then you clean it up and, and get that. And then just dust off your clips and hangers, you're good to go. Mm. That's a typical application. And uh, K13 is designed to be exposed. So you do want a clean line. You do want you know, a nice finished look. So that's what we try to do too. So sometimes with having stuff in the way, if we can't, if we can't access an area, yeah, we can shoot it and spray it five feet away maybe. We shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to be able to give you that clean line that you want because you have some stuff in the floor or you put up some kind of wall somewhere that was not supposed to be there just yet. So giving us access to the surface. Mm-hmm. Is How is much access do you need? You said I can't necessarily spray from five feet away. How close do you need to be? We need to be what? About Me? three feet, two feet mm-hmm. to the s- substrate. And you have a nozzle on the end of your spray gun, right? Correct. How long is that nozzle? 10, 12 inches. Okay. Can you use longer nozzles if you need to? Well, do they have them? Is they that an option? They don't. Okay. Um, another thing that people do sometimes, you can add a pipe just to extend it. But then, again, this is a finished product. And yeah. th- you want to make sure that you're able to control it very well and make sure it's not sagging too much to the sides and get you that. And then we've mm-hmm. got to be able to gauge it. Right, because everything we do is applied to a thickness that's per plant. Yeah. It's not just coated in white or coated in black. No, it's what are we giving you? Half mm-hmm. inch, one inch, two inch, three, five inches. Yeah. So it's a big deal. So we got to make sure we're, we're close enough that we can control the finish and then to be able to gauge everything and then move along. So when you're putting that on and you're trying to make sure that you're maintaining that correct thickness, how are you doing that? And does it take more than one application to reach that thickness say it's five inches or something like that can you do it all at once is that going to cure or is it going to be too heavy and you need to do multiple applications so go ahead (laughs) (laughs) so they're supposed to be able to do five inches okay um but it would depend on the sprayer honestly Mm -hmm. the skill of the sprayer so they might be able to do it sadly but there might be a contractor here in atlanta that can't and so they might have to do two passes to get to five inches. Okay. How do they check it? How do they make sure they're getting the correct thickness? This is gauged. We just okay. a little probe we just use up there and then just, just check it as you're moving along. So mm-hmm. what I tell the guys, if you got a, a bigger scaffold or something, you do your area, and if it, you believe is up to thickness, check it one or two times before you move. Mm-hmm. So um, when it comes to acoustical, I don't think that there's there's a third party that comes and checks thickness unless you're doing a, a state job, which we had that, where they bring in a third party just to check the thickness and then sign off on it. Other projects, like just normal office here, maybe a superintendent or somebody mm-hmm. might go up there and just probe it once or twice. Like, okay, we're, we're getting what we bought. Yeah. And, and that's about it. So, And it's an average, too, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not 
Yeah. It isn't a ceiling tile, so to speak, that yeah. everything is three-quarter inch or five-eighths or what it would be. Um, it's that average. It's not manufactured in a factory that's no, it's perfect. Not. Yeah. Correct. The other thing that you brought up, uh, th thickness, is the thicker we go and the more obstructions we have, the more challenging it is. Very much so. Because you can't swing your nozzle too far to the right, to the left. But if we're trying to build five inches and you got all kinds of pipes and stuff in the way, it is going to be a monumental nightmare trying to get that. Because if we're doing it in layers, we let's say we spray two and a half inches one day. And then the next day, as we're doing that same thing over again, maybe there are some other areas that did not bond properly because we just couldn't be able to get to it. So then we hit it again, and then it just causes a fallout. Mm -hmm. So that is where MEP is in place. It becomes just much more critical the thicker we go. Unless it's a remodel and all that stuff's already in mm -hmm. place, and, and then and then we just, just. But if I know that though, yeah. If I know that, I will. If if we're doing something, I will call you and say, hey, this is what I foresee. Okay. So what can we do? What do you normally do in a situation like that? Say you've got your sanitary line that's only giving you, um, say, four to six inches from the deck above, and so there's not a whole lot of clearance to be able to get your stuff in. And <clears throat> How do you handle that? Depending on the thickness. If we're mm -hmm. doing a typical office that we're doing, we're doing probably inch, inch and a half. That's pretty much gives them their, their acoustical that they want for mm -hmm. your office to avoid all the phone calls and click on the keyboard so if we have say a six inch pipe of whatever and it's four inches down from the deck and we're doing an inch or an inch and a quarter that's not a big deal because your surface is here and we're able to hit it from this side and this side and we're only doing an inch and a half what if you can only get one side if it's, what if it's up if against, it, the, if it's wall against the wall then, yeah, then that's all we get that's where you mm -hmm. have those voids that where you'll be able to if you look at it at the right angle you will see some some spots up there that just doesn't have it Mm -hmm. If it's that pipe that is against the wall and we can only angle it from one side, then that's that's all we're going to be able to get. Okay. And so that's why coming up front, say, what do you need? Because sometimes mm -hmm. we will get that question. Hey, I, I have to run this line here because electricians have to run the main line, the main trunk, or maybe mm -hmm. the uh, sprinkler guys too. He's like, hey, look, I, I get it, the clips and hangers, I'll do that, but I have to run one pipe through here. Or if it's a roof drain and that's how you divert the water Correct. and keep it dry. Or that, yeah. yeah. So. This is why the conversations help. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that we can't have a single thing in place, but if it helps the project to run one or two lines, one main electrical line or what, we'll yeah. work through it. It's no big deal, but let's, where is it gonna go? How yeah. far is it gonna go? And you know, as long as we, we talk through it and say, okay, this is gonna disrupt me here, but I think I can work around here and so forth. We go through it, okay, no problem. You run one pipe, you run one pipe, and you, okay, no big deal. Mm -hmm. That helps keep them in other areas, right? Because they're feeding their main line, and then mm -hmm. they then they go somewhere else. Yep. So if that's what it takes, we'll yeah. figure it out. We'll work it out together. But we talked about it. Nobody just mm -hmm. assumed and said, "Oh, you know, put all this in place." Yeah. Um, and then where it's at too, right? Is it gonna is it gonna interfere with our work? And most of the time, they have a little bit of variance too, of where it can go, how high, how you know, like you just brought up. Does it have to go against the wall, or can you move it? one foot this way mm. if you can move it boom you're good to go mm -hmm. then we're able to hit it from both sides and you, you have get a better product yep. yep you have your final finished product mm -hmm. and he got what he wanted and the job kept moving along yeah um so again i think it goes back to just talking through everything and having everybody else understand why 
these pipes this size at this location is a bigger deal than having it at this location. Mm. Um, and it just goes back to giving you a better product at the end, a better finish. Mm. The, the more instructions we have, then the more challenging it's going to be to give you a smoother product. Okay. What else do we need to know about this product specifically? <clears throat> One thing that I find in conversations with GCs, and let's face it, I'm a product rep, so mm. <laughs> I'm on the pay me no mind list. I understand that. Um, is the color can, um, I would say, affect maybe a best practice as far as saving money. And I'll use an example. Let's say it's black. Um, so if we're going up in black and you're going to have a painter come in, right, and maybe any of the scaffolding or support structure or stuff like that, that's going to be painted as opposed. Um, then I would say let our guy spray the black mm. and then the painter can come back and any over, then he doesn't have to worry about overspray because any of his overspray is going to, it's black on black, you're not going to notice it. Yeah. Now, if it's white, and you're doing, even if it's white on white, I would still say, now you gotta revert, you, you'd be better off reversing it and let the painter come in first. Um, and then our guys can come back in. And then, unfortunately, they would probably still wanna, right, tape up anything mm -hmm. that's not gonna get sprayed so it stays clean. Um, but at least that's only happening once and not twice yeah. in the process. So, you know, and I don't know, you're, you, you're the experts, but I would think that would kind of save you time and money because guys have less time committed to the project, you know, because they're be able to, they don't have to go do it twice. They only have to do it once. Is this product paintable? It is. It is? Mm -hmm. You just want to, if you're painting it for acoustics, you want to use a water-based diluted, and I mean 50-50 diluted uh, dry fall paint, and okay. then that won't adversely affect the acoustics. Okay. Now, our material also can come in a color. Okay. Um, and the nice thing about that is, you know, depending, again, on the project, um, but uh, is it's every fiber then. So if I do stick a broom handle into it or something like that, I don't have a white spot now where there was black. It's every fiber is that same color. You really won't notice it. Yeah, that's a good point. Because that will tend to happen. It, it happens. And I bring that up. And most of the time, again, when we, when we get in there ahead of time, I ask questions. They say, well, we're going to think of doing this. Well, you know, I can get you that product in that color, really. Mm. Now, and one thing they got to know, too, is every every color has a, a variance. Mm -hmm. Price black being the premium and then tans, you know, the mm -hmm. least amount. The other colors in the middle are not not too far off. Can you color match? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just send a send him a or us, mm -hmm. you know, Sherwin Williams or Bear Benjamin Moore, whoever it is, the mm -hmm. paint code or swatch of material, and then what we do is we make a mm -hmm. sample of that fiber, mm -hmm. and so you and your customer have to sign off on it before we would manufacture that color. Okay. But yeah, it. Got purple, red, yellows. I mean, mm. um, I, don't, I don't know that they always look that great, but um, but yeah. And and the nice thing is, is you can try to match it. And um, there are examples where you know they want to match the trim. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can do that. So yeah. We actually did the project. I think it's called the hub. Yeah, with you guys. Yeah, that was mm -hmm. one of and the color of your shirt. It was very. It's a, I think it was blueberry or something. Beautiful color, man. It was. I did the spray foam in that color. The this uh, it's called the FC. That one's called the yeah. FC. Yeah, that was a beautiful color. I forgot what that room was. I think mm. it was in going towards the sauna. Was that at the uh, Hub Atlanta job? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but it's it's supposedly pretty nice. I'll go check it out. It's the color is beautiful. It's just yeah. pops. So that was one that we did. We did another one for Nike. They chose a a, a different color gray. We mm. did that one, and then another one that we just did is called the Junior Achievement. 
over in Augusta, that was a 33,000 square foot open bar joist, and they wanted this baby blue. Mm-hmm. And I told them about it, about the custom color. And so they did the math on what it would cost us to do it versus the painter. Mm-hmm. And But it, actu- it actually helped speed up the project too, because now you don't have to deal with two trays, you don't have to deal with more cure time, you don't have to deal with, it. so it helped. Even though adding the, c- the color was an additional cost, it helped sped along the project, mm-hmm. you know? You don't have to add the the labor and all other materials with a painter. Yep. It's already in the yep. product. Yep. And all he the painter had to do is just go and, and spray uh, a couple uh, stuff that was suspended after the fact. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure they cut his cost tremendously. But more than anything, this was a very tight, sped up job, so they valued more time. Yeah. And so by us going in there once, they got their acoustical, they got their sound, they got their R value, and they got their paint all in one swoop. That's amazing. I love doing stuff like that. That's like getting lucky enough to buy out a subcontractor that hangs, finishes drywall, and paints. At the same time. And yeah. does it all. With, with one, yeah, like one, one trade. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen often, but every now and yeah. then we get a trade that will do both of those. Like Mulkey will um, hang and finish drywall, and they'll paint. But wanting it that way as a GC, don't the, then the subs kind of – figure out what's your best practice and then learn to do it that way. You know what I mean? Or well, no? it, it depends on what they're, what service they're willing to provide. Not all drywallers want to paint. Roswell will paint Roswell drywall. They'll paint. Mm-hmm. They don't do it all the time, but so does that, how, how, how big an effect is that on the decision of which sub you're going to choose then? Not as big of an effect. It, a lot of it will come down to price. Oh, okay. Um, it can be an added cost to do it that way. Their cost of paint might not be the same as another painter. And I go ahead and just hire him as a drywaller and the other guy as a painter and over my overall cost will be less. Um, but if you can find somebody that can make the numbers work to do both of them under their scope of work, it's easier from a coordination effort. One of the things like oh, yeah. just specifically like drywall and paint, mm-hmm. you've always got a painter that's saying that drywall is not a good enough substrate for that me to thing. paint on. Yep. And then the drywaller is saying, no, it is. And so then you've got an argument back and forth. But if you buy both of those out through the same company, that's an internal argument that they can have with each other. And I don't have to be involved in it. Yep. yep. And so it just it's a it's just easier and less aggravation for me to have to deal with with a coordination effort if you can do that. And so by doing a pre-colored uh, product, that's aggravation that that GC does not have to deal with between um, the spray installer and the uh, painter after the fact. It's well, and again, a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, whether it's our material or honestly, fiberglass, the same thing where you're painting it. It's a very textured material. Um, now, the sauna spray is a finer texture, so it's not quite as challenging. But when you have that, you can't. The painter can't just sit and fire paint up there um, because then he will remove the acoustic value yeah. of the or properties of it. So it's really more fogging. Um, and so it typically takes two or three passes for mm-hmm. it to be properly painted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, you've got more time. And yep. that's just the skim coat on the, you know, if, they, it, if, mm-hmm. if they puncture it, then yep. you have that whatever color it was showing. In this case, I think why it worked is obviously because of all those and time. Mm-hmm. Time was they didn't have. Time is key a yep. lot nowadays. And, and so when we're able to do something that gives them everything, then yeah, if it shapes time, and yep, let's go. Mm-hmm. It, it, it works for the dollar amount, the difference yep. in the dollar amount. Um, but we'd like to present options, and then you guys 
do it, do as you want, as mm -hmm. you please. And then I try to help guide, educate as much as I can based on my experience. Sometimes I get listened to, sometimes I don't, mm -hmm. but I try. Yep. Uh, and sometimes we don't get the choice. Sometimes it's up to the designer or the owner uh, to make that decision on how they want to proceed. So it's not always us saying, no, we're not going to go with that. Sometimes we want to go that option, but they don't either want to pay for it or it's not the final product they want to see. They want to see something that looks different, so they don't want to go that route. So if a specification <coughs> is too generic, let's say, mm -hmm. does, does that make it more challenging for you or easier, so to speak? Because then you get liberty to do. So it depends. It depends on the people. It depends on the team. But it's also um, you give you give somebody too many options. They can take a long time to make a decision, and so give her fewer options. Then it's easier to make a decision. But sometimes it's completely opposite of what they want to see, and so then you're kind of trying to find that balance. Like you don't want to go to a restaurant and that menu has 20 pages. You want a right. restaurant that has a reasonable amount of pages so that you can narrow down what you want to choose to eat. It's the same thing. You want to try and find that balance. You don't want to give them too much or else they're just going to uh, go back internally and they're going to go back and forth and back and forth and it'll take them forever to choose a, a, a route that they want to take. And it also, if you only give them like two or three options and they don't like any of them, then you have to go back through the effort of either changing the um, material or product or the assembly overall. It depends. There's a lot of what ifs involved in it. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I've had this discussions where I would call where, where the uh, specs are not clear. It, just, mm -hmm. it might just say spray insulation. Mm -hmm. Then I call whoever's on the other side and say, hey, this we just can't say spray. Like, what are we? Are we looking for R value? Are we looking for thickness? Are we looking for NRC? Do you have a product in mind? Sometimes they have information. Sometimes they don't. They're like, well, I just price it as whatever you think. I'm like, well, it, does, it doesn't matter. Like, I can I can apply what I want, but it's not what the building wants, what, mm -hmm. the, what the architect wants. So then that triggers some questions. Sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they say, hey, just price this up. And then they, they leave it to me. Say, what would you do that's typical? I said, okay, if it was me. And, and typical building like this, this is what we've done in the past. So then that's the way it goes, mm -hmm. even though the specs were not clear. Yep. But that's about the best we can do on our end. Mm -hmm. And I don't know from there, on your guys' end, where that goes, if you go well, back to the architect. It'll go back to the architect. If it stays within budget, then they're going to – and it, if it solves the um, – if it solves the problem and it doesn't cost extra money, they're fine. Mm -hmm. If it meets the requirements, they're fine. If it doesn't meet the requirements for whatever reason, then they'll come back and say, here, we can't do this because of that. Mm -hmm. Or the AHJ requires certain things, and it wasn't specified because the architect didn't know about that specific specification that was required here in, say, Gwinnett County, and they require this specific product and no other product. This is all they will allow. Mm -hmm. And it gets inspected and if they don't see that product data and it doesn't look like it, they're not going to pass you. So sometimes it comes down to that and the architect just didn't account for it and get incorporated into the specs and say it's more expensive then we got to go back to the owner. Well, it's the AHJ is saying that we have to use this product. We don't have a choice. It didn't get specced. It didn't get priced that way. So to use what's required it's going to cost this much money. 
So it's an added cost to the project and to the owner. So it just depends on the situation. Sometimes it's something that maybe we missed and we've got to cover that um, cost of the difference. Um, if it's something that we missed on our end, it was somewhere in the drawings or in the specifications that we didn't see. And when we priced it with you, we made assumptions. Mm -hmm. and, and so then it's not on the owner because it was already in the documents and we're held to uh, build the building by those contract documents. And so if we didn't do the correct uh, buyout process and make sure we checked all of the details, it's on us to pay for it. It's, it's a lot of different um, situations that can come up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So again, we're a small package, but all those mm -hmm. question marks, color, this, thickness, R mm -hmm. value, locations, clips, MEPs, power, no power. Like it's, yep. it can be a big deal. It can. Know? And it's a headache for the superintendent. And mm -hmm. I mean, he's got 10,000 other things to do than to worry about a 2,000 square foot area of a 50,000 mm -hmm. square foot job. So, but it can be as easy as you want or mm -hmm. as difficult as you want, depending on how much feedback we get. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the uh, the things some of the uh, more experienced superintendents, I won't say old guys, but that's what they are, um, <laughs> they yeah. will, uh, when discussing your trade specifically, some of the complaints they'll have is cleanup or lack of cleanup. Mm -hmm. We're doing a poor job. Y'all don't have that problem. Each of the jobs I've done with y'all, yeah. that is never an issue. The cleanup, the prep, so that cleanup is easy, has always been a good experience but that's not always the case correct uh, a lot of times the guy will come in he won't put any plastic up and he just sprays that insulation all over everything and then we'll leave and then you can't get him to come back and clean it up and then we got to clean it up so that's an important aspect of your scope of work that needs to be done that way from our point of view yeah so that we don't have to go in and clean up after your scope of work uh, that's something that's on you. And sometimes it can be difficult to get that smaller guy, and maybe that's why he's cheaper. You get what you pay for. Yeah. How often, though, do you guys run into the situation? Because it seems like it backs up every now and again, and there's a project at FedEx in Memphis where this is an issue where um, if it's a rib metal deck, you know, do we spray the support or do we leave it clean? Um, and it, I guess it's not spelled out that often. Mm -hmm. um, and it, then it becomes a choice. And we've had it you know, back up, I would just know a better way to put it, um, in both directions. You know, I expected it clean, or then you kept it clean, and then the architects, well, why isn't there any material on the, you know, on the beams? And it's like, well, because it, you know, it's not that enough surface area where it's going to have an effect adversely or positively, really, with, with the acoustics. It usually looks cleaner, right? Mm -hmm. And so you do it that way, and then, you know, there was a project here in Atlanta where it was like, no, 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 I wanted it all done. Okay, so uh, you know, you said spray the ceiling. So, uh, that's part of the ceiling, and yeah. So that's that's where it comes down to. What's that spray foam being used for? What's the mm -hmm. the reason behind it? So like uh, the one y'all just did for us at WebGen up in Lawrenceville. Y'all mm -hmm. were out there, I don't know, six eight months ago. Yeah. Um, but it was for the fire rating uh, was the requirement. And so with that one, um, we clarified with a couple of RFIs to make sure we did it right. But what it required was, um, so we had a, um, it was a steel structure inside the amenity space. And then we had wood trusses that anchored to that steel. So to make sure that we got that two hour rating around that steel, 
uh, where the web or where the truss is attached to it, you couldn't get it around that steel because you couldn't put the insulation in until it's dry. And you can make it dry until those trusses there, but you can't put the insulation there if the trusses are sitting on top of it. So order of operations. So how do we get over this hurdle? So it was getting the architect involved. And what they came up with was we spray all the steel and then out a specific distance on the truss. Mm -hmm. So we're encapsulating the truss out to a specific distance. I want to say it was like 18 inches or two feet or something like that. Um, so it depends on the assembly. It depends on what it's going to be used for. If it's going to be strictly um, the sound rating, not necessary to cover like metal bar joists, right? Right. Yeah. Not necessary. And if it's going to be exposed, it depends on the look that they're going for. Mm -hmm. If they want a nice clean look, then they're going to want you to protect all the uh, bar joists. But if they just want the entire assembly to look the same, they're going to want you to cover it. That's something that you need to clarify before you do it with the design team and what the overall look is and what the assembly requirements are. So, it But that's just, often not specified in the right or if it is i mean it depends but most of the time not unless it's a fire rated assembly if it's a fire rated assembly it's going to be in there because it's going to be ul tested so ul is going to have specific requirements right. on what you need to do yeah. and so they'll they'll know what that assembly is bar trusses uh, uh with uh, deck on top do you have to completely cover that bar or do you not but if it's for fire rating, I would imagine it's going to need to get covered most of the time. Fire rating, yes. The yeah. acoustical that you're talking about, I think uh, I've seen some plans that are very detailed that tell you specific do add the concrete beams or do not. Yeah. And that's probably going back with somebody who's experienced. Yep. Because you, you won't know about stuff like that unless you've been through it already. Yep. Or unless you've seen it. Like, oh, I like the way it looks with or without. Mm -hmm. They both look good. Um or sometimes we'll see the drawings where it says four inches on the deck, and then they just have that that clouded around the beam. And I call them and said, "Hey, if, do you want this around the beam?" It's like, "Oh yeah, just do those plans. I'm going to tell you, it's going to it's going to you're not getting your money's worth, mm -hmm. and it's not going to look as clean as the deck is." Yep. You know, and so then sometimes they'll ask, and sometimes it'll go away, or sometimes they keep it. But I'm telling you, it's it's not the best look. Just mm -hmm. you're not getting anything for it. Your money is on the deck. Mm -hmm. That's where you're at. And so sometimes they'll listen, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But for the most part, when it comes to the acoustical projects, I'm going to say that 99% of them do not call out for the other structure, beams, concrete beams, columns, bar joists, any of that. Mm -hmm. And mm. it's just on the flat substrate up top. Yep. And that gives them a cleaner look, and it gives them what they're, what they're buying, which is mm -hmm. the acoustical to the large surface. Yeah. And if that is going to get a drop ceiling in it, I definitely don't want to waste the material. Mm -hmm. So unless it's an absolute re requirement like a fire rating, yeah. they're definitely not going to want to put it on there if it's going to get covered up and you're never going to see it. Correct. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all coming in today and talking with me. I know that uh, a lot of guys are going to get a lot of value out of this discussion. I hope. No, so they will. I've been happy to help. And, uh, again, we're, we're here. We're, as I mentioned to you, mm -hmm. we're working on something like this on the back of our website to help educate. Mm -hmm. Somebody can go in there and just, when is the best time, right? Just search yep. it up, and it'll be there. Well, and I'll give you, you'll have the link to this, yeah. and you'll be able to tie that to your website. So yeah. you can use this uh, as Perfect. a uh, resource on your yep. website. Thank you. Yep. Uh, appreciate no problem. It. Appreciate your time. All right, thanks. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm.